precious Listen. building. You are more than the air Listen, I close to my heart. see her face and know that she sees Your reflection is more than you see. You are more than a phenom. Lasting essence longer than eons in the plateau that we on. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Happening Podcast. I'm your host, Complex, the poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. Um, as usual, we start off with a mental health check. I'm doing good this week. Uh... It's 50, it, it, it's 50 50 this week not gonna lie um, a little bit better from last week we discussed how um you know how they get my god kids now my god kids live here um so i'm having to um well let me not say live here they stay here during well i don't know they stay here during the week so um, i'm having to switch into for real daddy mode with with young kids um all over again um and it's a it's a it's a difficult transition, but I'm pushing through. You know, it again, like I said last week, is one of those things that you just have to um, you have to know the situation, or understand the situation, uh, draw back your your personal emotional um, dealings, and just be the help that is needed. So, with that being said. Um, I've been going through some stuff this week. All the kids started back school. It's been a difficult transition for my eight-year-old because he is a um, hands-on learner. So it's difficult to get him engaged in um, wanting to really do it. He, like, literally cries just wanting to go back to school. And it is it is frustrating, but I have to pull myself back and I just have to let him deal with... Um, deal with this by himself like it's not one of those things that you can just oh shut up stop crying or blah 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 it's it's something that you just have to allow the kids to go through um i came i i allow him to go through that because i'm frustrated myself right i'm frustrated myself i've been working from home uh for years now uh because of health complications but I'm used to the kids going to to school i'm used to getting that break from seven in the morning to um to three, you know, three, three thirty in the afternoon, just being able to work and um, and just have the silence. But with them here every day, it's difficult because they only have to be in school four hours now. Like by law, they only they have to do two hundred and forty minutes or something like that. So it's a difficult thing because I'm still I still work a full a full day. So just hearing them bump around, jump around, yelling, playing stuff like that. Um, it's frustrating. So I have to control my temper, my anger with that frustration. And so with that, I'm teaching my son how to control his, uh, my youngest son, how to stay in control of his emotions with that. I'm a very big uh, advocate for emotional release. When I was young, we didn't we didn't have that opportunity. It, it was uh, stop being a punk. Um, you know what you're crying for. Like it was like you had to be so hard growing up it was just really weird that um you know that we couldn't show emotion then you grow up and you wonder why um us men we have problems communicating we have problems expressing emotion we have problems processing emotion so for me i let him process his emotion he cried about it i talked to him about it um i just let him know you know his he his excuse me his immune system is is uh very easily compromised and 
I didn't like what I what I heard from from one of his teachers. Um, I'm back to school, like so. It's like now nah, I'm not gonna go. I just I, I feel more safe with him here, and me being able to control his environment rather than leaving him to school and be, not being certain that they're gonna have his uh, uh, safety as a top priority because of their own personal feelings. So, um, yeah, it was it, it's it's. It was a it, it was a difficult conversation because he's only eight, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I have to really just allow him to be who he he's growing to be, and um, and teach him how to express his frustrations. Because, like I said, we didn't get we didn't get that opportunity as um, as kids, and when I say we, I mean my generation. So for me, it's very important that I allow young kids to to need help, <clears throat> excuse me, to need help, but understand that they need help and ask. Um, it's important for me to allow them to learn from their experience. I know I'm not letting my kids go all out or, you know, the kids that I mentor, I'm not, I don't, I don't let them or encourage them to go wild and do crazy things, but I do encourage them to learn. Like life was so serious for my generation. And it's unfair to these kids that they don't get a chance to be kids. And it has a lot to do with things that are on TV. Has a lot of things to do with society. Has a lot of thing to uh, a lot of things to do with you know um, police killing kids, um, kids killing kids. Just so much stuff going on that they're not getting the opportunity to just be kids. So for me, it's very big for me to allow them to be kids. I have to tell my oldest all the time he's not the dad. Like I'll say something to the to the younger kids, and then he'll say something, and I'm like, "Fam, like I got this." Um, he and and he's combative, and it's one. Of, but 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 and it's like, no, I'm right here. I got it. Just relax. Be a kid. Do what you do. Um, it's also important to um help them, you know, and don't make it like they're being a burden. Um, you you as the adult who has been through you know whatever you've been through, it's your opportunity to to help someone. It's your opportunity to teach someone um, how to just live life and how to to be peaceful and learn who they are and stuff like that. Like my situation with my goddaughters, my my niece, she needs help right now, right? And without telling her business like that, I'm not gonna judge. She needs help, so. All right, give me my babies. Like, simple as that. It's not a, like, my position is not to tell you you wrong or not to tell you you're right. My position is to, uh, as her uncle and as those babies' goddad, I take that seriously. So if you need help, tell me you need help, and then I'm going to be there. As simple as that. A lot of us didn't have that when we were coming up. And that's that a lot of us have trust issues because of that. A lot of us have separation issue because of that. A lot of us have, you know, this syndrome, this only kid syndrome when we have big families because they were not there in, in certain areas where you felt that you needed them. Um, so it's very important. It's very important that we are allowing these kids whether it be students that we're teaching whether it be neighborhood kids that we seen grow up from babies whether it be your um, nephews your little cousins whatever it's like help them 
Like, give them the emotional break that you never got. Like, allow them to vent to you and be, you know, not saying, you know, yo, auntie, I killed somebody. No, 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 no. Not like that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not meaning that. But sometimes, like, like my kids, my kids sometimes can't talk to me, right? So it's not that, it's not that they can't talk to me because I'm mean or uh, because I don't allow them to express themselves. It's just certain stuff, no matter how cool I am with my kids, that they just rather talk to their uncle about. And that's just, I don't take it personal. It's nothing, you know, I don't feel it's nothing against me. I don't feel like it's i I'd rather go live with my uncle. It's just that it's certain things that they rather talk to my brother about. And I'm comfortable with that because kids need that. They need somebody outside of their parents because their parent, a lot of time is one track and they want you to get from point A to point B. But, you know, Somebody who knows, like, like my brother knows me uh, top to bottom, right? So whereas I'm really strict in this area, they'll talk to him and they'll be like, you know, they'll say, oh, dad is tripping about this and dad is tripping about that. And he'll be able to say, well, this is why your dad thinks like that. Or this is why your dad acts like that. Because when we grew up, we had to clean up all the time. Or when we grew up, you know... Um, you know, grandma, which is my mom, she made us do this, this, and this. So it's just something that's in him. And there's been times that they'll talk to him and, and he'll he'll tell me like, yo, Peanut, like the kid says such and such. And it's not like a snitching thing. It's one of those, bro, what's, what's going on? You know, and it's a helpful thing. Even, you know, 37, about to be 38, my brother still allows me room to grow and he don't chastise me. He just asks me, you know, what's going on? His nephews hit him up and he trying to figure out, are they tripping or am I tripping? And, you know, we go from there. Um, and it's it's helpful. It's helpful to be able to to follow and lead. And that's what we have to teach these young people when we're helping them. We're not helping them um, to take the, 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 the lesson away from them. As we're helping them, we're telling them, okay, cool, this is what you're going through right now. This is how you can make it better. It's, it's not for you to come down on them. It's just for you to give them another option, um, another way of seeing whatever they're going through so that they can make the, the proper um, adjustments so they can make the proper adjustments to do what they need to do. A lot of times I see so much judgment when, when, when teenagers and young kids, they do stuff and then you judge, Oh, you're bad. You're this, you're that. And it's like, nah, we, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I, I trip out because where I'm from back home, we had to grow really, really quick. Like, it was, it, I don't, I just don't understand. It's, it's just a, a continuous cycle of gangbanging, shooting, still, like, it's so much stuff. So we had to learn how to watch our backs, like, really, really quick. We had to, to be prepared to fight, like, at any time. We had to be prepared for all these things that typically would be, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about that until you're adults. And I'm talking, we had to worry about that in elementary school. 
We had to worry about that very, very early in life. So we didn't get to have emotions. We had to be so tough. We had to be, you know, so grown. And it's funny because, you know, the the, the old heads, you, oh, y'all think y'all grown, not realizing the things that we're having to go through throughout our day to day. Bullets have no name. Fights have no name. Like, even if you're even if you're not the agitator, a lot of times you can just get into something because somebody's having a bad day. And as sad as that is, it's like, that's just the story of life. So for me and the people that I mentor, the people that I come across, you know, I make it very clear. You don't got to be tough all the time. If it hurt, cry. A lot of times you, a lot of times you'll be going through stuff and you never get through it because you haven't cried. I know that sounds crazy, but there has to be some type of release of pain or else it's go you're going to internalize it. And I'm telling you this from experience. You're going to internalize it and then it's going to create a stress in you that's going to affect your physical body. It is not healthy not to cry. It is not healthy to not talk about it. It's not healthy to keep it in. It's very important. And so that's what I teach these young people when I'm helping them, um, whether it be mentoring, whether it, whether it be a financial thing, whether it be a you need to stay here um, at my place, whatever it is, I'm teaching them a, a, as we go. I'm not judging them. I'm not I'm not saying, well, why this? Why that? Hey, what happened? How did you get in this situation? All right, cool. This is what you got to do to move forward. You got to maneuver a little bit differently next time so you don't wind up in this situation. I say that because I've been homeless before. I've been sleeping on people's couch, left, right, left, right, for a long while. So I know how that feels to be looked at a certain way because you're trying to handle everything that you possibly can and you're not focused on the things that you're, like, when you focus on too many things at the same time, you'll never get anything done. And I found myself in that situation and I found myself homeless. I found myself sleeping on people's couches. Not having anything to myself because I'm so focused on making sure, you know, my daughter's okay. I'm so focused on making sure my son's is okay. I'm so uh, making sure everything is okay, but I'm not making sure that I'm okay. And I'm just moving and kicking and running and moving and kicking and running. And then now, boom, heart condition, boom, lung condition, boom, muscle disorder. And that's stress. And that you that comes from internalizing things. My, my personal stress, let me not say stress because I'm not a doctor. My personal stress and my physical ailments come from internalizing pain internalizing things mentally, not crying about it, not um, um, not talking to nobody about it, not even speaking of it, just going through and letting people run over you and say this and say that. And for me, it's always been uh, a thing that my temper, like everybody always had something, something to say about my temper, but nobody ever said nothing how I just, I never said nothing for a long time. And then I said something. So it's like, I, I, it's always been, you didn't have to react like that. But nobody's, no, nobody ever came in and said, well, you probably should have reacted like that. I know you're tired of this and you're tired of that. So, excuse me. So with that, since everybody always has something to say about my attitude, I just started being quiet. I just started not saying anything. I just started, it is what it is. 
And that, that just turned into a snowball of depression, a snowball of anger. And, and I never said anything. I've distanced myself from people. Um, I've distanced myself from people. I don't really talk to them. Like, I'm a texter. I hate talking on the phone. Like, I'll talk to my mom, my brother on the phone. But other than that, I don't, uh, text me. If you're not dead, text me. Like if if you're not if 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 you're if if you can text text me unless it's an emergency and I gotta come help you like right now right now. But it, and it's nothing personal. That's just how my mind is wired because I'm just so used to being by myself. I'm so used to being by myself, and I'm not saying that that's good, and I'm not saying that it's bad. It works for some people. For me, it works. I. I'm emotionally, I'm emotionally detached from a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot, almost everything. Like just being, just being honest, but I'm working through that in therapy. I'm working through that, you know, within my meditation, I'm working through that for myself in, 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 in getting to know myself. I'm able to help these young people, um, and my kids, I'm able to help them process their emotions. Like I hate when I see people stepping on others emotions. That's part of growth. Even if it, even if it's something that you know you wouldn't care about, that person cares about it. That young person or that person in general, they care about it. You gotta help them. Like if you in their life, excuse me, I'm so sorry. If you in their life, they confide in you and they depend on you, no matter how bad it sounds, you have to help them. You gotta be able to to maneuver through what they're saying and. And take it in and you got to be able to say, okay, in my experience, this, because you don't want to judge, like people come off so judgmental and it turns, it, 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 it turns people off. Like it makes them feel worse. Like if I'm coming to you and I'm confiding in you and I'm telling you I'm hurt, I'm this, I'm that. And you look at it like, oh, you just being soft. That's no, that's no help. So imagine somebody, you know, 10, 11, 12, and they're emotional and you suck that up. Ain't no crying out here. You're repeating that cycle of don't show your emotions. Hold it in. Nobody cares about that. Every like I hate this, even though it's true. Even though I like I want to make this clear. Even though I know it's true. I hate when I hear people say this, especially to young kids. Don't nobody care about your problems because everybody got problems. What? Even though that's factual, telling a kid, telling a young person, don't nobody care about your problems because everybody got them. That's super sad. Because everybody does have problems, but guess what? There's there's somebody to help you through every problem. But because we're telling these kids, don't nobody care because everybody have their own problems, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna hold it in. And there's gonna be more cases of depression. It's gonna be more cases of suicide. It's gonna be more uh, 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 cases of, of abuse. Because nobody is willing to let these kids and young people know, it's okay, cry. If you need to, however you need to release the pain, however you need to release the discomfort, however you, like, let it go. Let it go. And then once you're done, take a deep breath, learn the lesson, and keep it pushing. And guess what? 
I've learned this from experience. You're going to go over the same emotion, the same emotion every time until you learn how to one to you learn what that emotion is and two to you learn how to process it. So as mentors, as friends, as family, if somebody confides in you, show them how to grow. Help them grow. Don't stunt their growth by telling them their their pain, their their confusion, their discomfort is wrong. And quit telling them that it's unnecessary. Quit telling them that oh, uh, men don't cry and you know women don't act like. No, yes they do. Everybody cries. Everybody cries. Everybody acts like that. Everybody acts like this. Stop telling people that. It's imperative, man, that we break this cycle. I feel like a lot of people go through this depression, especially in the black community. I feel like we go through that because we're so shut off as kids. They just just think about now as an adult, like whoever's listening to this, think back then, especially, especially if you grew up in poverty, right? And not even not not even poverty, just middle class. Especially if you grew up middle class. Just think back to when you was a kid and you were emotional about something. And how fast somebody in your family told you to suck it up. Or somebody in your family or friends made you feel like that it wasn't it wasn't important. Like you're you like what you feel, get that up out of here. That ain't that's nothing. You'll learn when you grow up. And then you grow up to never have learned. And now you now you wonder why you're in you're 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 in therapy. You wonder why, you know, there's there's so many people, you know, all of it like it seems all of a sudden that everybody ha it has mental health issues. No, now it's just so much more uh freeing to to just deal with it. It's so much, uh, I, I think that's the wrong word. Having mental health issues is more acceptable in society now. So now you hear more people saying stuff. But a lot of us been going through this before it was cool. A lot of us been on medication. A lot of us been in therapy before it was cool. And, it's, and in my opinion, it's because we're so cut off. So it's our responsibility to make sure that Whoever is in our lives, whether it's our kids, our, our our younger siblings, younger cousins, any friend, co-worker, you know, younger co-worker, even if it's somebody your age, if they confide in you with something, just don't cut them off. Don't make them feel, uh, uh, don't make them feel like they're not valuable to earth because everybody is here for a reason and a purpose. Just help them grow. And if you can't help them grow, be honest with them and say, you know what? I've never been through that. I don't know how to help you, but don't invalidate their emotions, their feelings, their thoughts, because that's how we keep that cycle of negativity, of depression, of hurt, of pain going. People don't know how to deal with stuff and hurt people hurt people. And if you never are able to pull back and learn the lesson It just continues. And it's like, you got to know, you got to know when to accept, when to accept the, the, 
Wouldn't you accept things that you cannot change? But also fight to change the things that you can if they are affecting you, right? Whether it's health issues, whether it's physical, whether it's uh, uh, creative-wise, certain things are just set, right? Like, certain things are, are just set in stone. This is part of your journey. This is set. You cannot change it. But there's a lot of things that you can do to improve. There's a lot of things that you can um, that you can do to increase your, your, your skill set. Just repetition or, you know... My brother tells me all the time, listen, everything is on YouTube now. Like everything is on the internet. Things that we had to learn by trial and error and, you know, shorten out stuff because we took apart the radio, put the radio together, or uh, we did this with the TV that, excuse me, now everything is online, right? So your skill set can change. Your mind state can change. It's certain things that cannot. And you got to be able to accept that. Like I I have six kids, right? Even though baby girl passed away, it does not, it's set in stone. I have six kids. I can't change, I, or I can't, that's set in stone that I have, that, that those are my six kids, right? I'm not, uh, I'm not sterile or whatever they call it. I can have more kids if I want to, right? So the reality is I have six kids, only five of my kids I have access to, right? I can't change that. I can't change that baby girl passed away because that's set in stone. She's gone. She's never coming back. The thing that I can change is that I can have more kids. So we have to learn how to properly accept the things that are going on in our lives that are unchangeable. We can't change other people. We can change how we interact with people, but we can't change them. We can't make people we can't make people treat us a certain way. We can uh uh we can try to teach them how to love us. We can try to teach them, you know, how to to deal with us or work with us. But more times than not, they're not going to treat you like you Sometimes need to it's it's very rare you get treated like you need like you need to be treated. You always will get treated with with a certain level of of arguments, with a certain level of conversation, with a certain level of demand. You're always going to get treated how you want to be treated. It's very rare that you get treated how you need to be treated because certain things are just set in stone. I am who I am. I'm the type of person I'm not going to argue with you. It don't mean I don't love you. I don't have time for arguing. I said what I said. And it's not one of them. I said what I said because I'm the man. I'm a person. I don't talk a lot. So if I have to say something, I'm going to make sure that when I say it, it makes sense. And if you don't understand, if, if you can't interpret, if you can't interpret logic, I cannot have a conversation with you let alone the argument because I'm being logical and you don't even understand two plus two is four. So you have to get used to, to, to things that you have to get used to things that you know will never change. And in, 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 in getting used to that is crazy because 
you will start feeling like those things that are set in stone have changed, but in reality, your perception of those stones have changed, and you're able to get through life because you now realize that certain you can't you can't change that tomorrow you're going to be a day older. Yesterday you was a day younger than you are today. You can't change that. But if you start looking at it, if you start looking at it differently, changing your perspective, those things that are set in stone are like. They don't mean anything because now you've learned how to maneuver. Now you learn how to get a, get around certain things. Now you have, you've learned how to speak in a certain way. You've learned how to move. You've learned how to just operate completely different of those things that were frustrating you because your perspective changed. So it's important that, that, and I, I always say that I'm trying to think of a different a different word than it's important or a different sentence other than it's important that but it really is important that we understand change is inevitable and we got to we just keep building it goes back to when I when I was saying um we can't be building we can't set bricks on type of uh, of a crumbled foundation and that's how I look at change like we're going to keep going through the same thing, same thing until we realize that our frequency is changing to something different. Right. Our 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 day to day is no longer this way. It's that way. The way that we speak, the way that the things that we eat, the uh, the things that we create, the conversation that we have, you'll start to notice, like if you pay attention, the more you read, the better. Like and it doesn't even have to be all super educational stuff. But the more you read, whether it's comic books, novels, textbooks, the more you read, your conversation get better, right? And it's, that's just second nature because it's repetition. You begin to understand words differently. That's change. That's not even a change that you're doing on purpose. You're not actively trying to, to... There's very few people that are actively trying to upgrade their vocabulary. It just, once you start reading things... Those words just fly through your mind and you're able to on the fly see them in context. So whereas somebody would say, oh, man, you know, you know, it's hard for me to read words. It's hard for me to pronounce it like they feel like that's something that's set in stone. I'll never understand how to pronounce words or put words together and stuff like that. And then, boom. You're just doing something in your day to day, whether you're reading Twitter, reading Instagram. The more you read, the more your mind is a, is working out, the more, you know, com, uh, com, excuse me, the more conversations you have, the better you are able to speak. Just for me, starting a podcast from the first episode to now I feel way more comfortable. I know I still say um a lot. But I'm getting better in filling more time with what I say. Because now I'm like, all right, this is my podcast. I have time to grow. Yes, I'm uncomfortable, but I can't keep saying, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know why I keep saying, um, it's something that is just it. If you look with people being interviewed, it's a lot of ums, it's a lot of this. And they say, you go, you got to take a communication class and stuff like that. For me, it's like. I'm more so nervous because I'm very introvert and I don't know who watches the podcast, right? So it's a tick per se. You know, it's a like I know what I want to say, but I started saying, you know what? 
I can't let that stay. That's not set in stone. That's something that I can change. I don't know how, but cool. I'm just going to keep on going. One of these podcasts is going to be no ums at all. And I'm, and, and I'm proud of the growth that I've shown over each podcast. But you have to be willing to accept that. Like, I, I'm, I accept that I continue to say, um, and I don't want to. But I'm fighting to change that. So I'm reading more. I'm talking more, you know, outside of the podcast, even though it's to my kids or, you know, to my baby mom or to whoever, to one of my friends or whoever I'm talking to. It's helping me to continue to be comfortable with speaking. This podcast is the most that I speak, period. Me and my kids deal in head nods and hand gestures unless they're being crazy. I text, but I'm not a phone person. Like, at work when I have to make phone calls, yeah, I talk, whatever. If I have to lead a meeting, yeah, I talk. But for me, I'm more, I, I'd rather be quiet. So it's difficult, or I'm having to learn how to change or, or go along with the change of trying to get this podcast going. So I have to talk more. Like, see, like you guys can't see it, but I'm looking at me, look at you. Like, I know that, uh, I know that's not crazy, but you guys can't see it. So I'm looking at myself on my monitor while it's recording. And even just me looking at myself, if you notice, I keep looking away because I'm so not used to talking and I'm, I'm reteaching myself how to believe in what I'm saying, reteaching myself how to be strong enough to, uh, uh, to, to try to help people with everything that I'm going through. So I put this monitor in front of my face so I can see me because I love me no matter what. And I have to tell myself that every single day so that I can continue to accept the change that is that is happening in my life and understand the things that I cannot change and let that go. Like I used to be a person like I was so controlling over me, right? And what I mean by that, I was so controlling over things that I could not change that the things that I could change just dissipated. Like it was like I just believed that there was no change, there was no nothing, anything. And I know that has a lot to do with the uh, with the depression, but once I started really loving me, once I pulled back and said, man, I could care less about a relationship, uh, forget these kids, all that. I have to figure out where my head is going because I'm not about to end up being crazy. I'm not going to let this depression continue to beat me down. Again, I can say that all I want to and depression going to do what it does. And it is, it is, I don't say it is what it is because I be fighting, I be fighting hard not to get into a funk. And sometimes I'm able to control it. Sometimes it's it's like a 12-round knockout and I don't want to do nothing, say nothing, you know, but I'm continuing to figure out how to change. I'm continuing to figure out how to, to maneuver through it because, yeah, this depression thing is basically set in stone. I've always had this, just didn't know it was what it was until I became an adult. And it's like, oh, okay, cool, that's... Not cool, but it's like, now I know what it is. I'm 37. I've been fighting it this whole time. Even though it's gotten a little bit worse because situations in my life have gotten worse as I've gotten as I've gotten older. Um, 
but I'm still able to just fight. I tell myself, if you wake up tomorrow, you got to fight. Don't let nobody bring you down. You got to fight. And so those are those for though for me, that's something that I tell other people. You got to fight. If you can fight in me, because I'm fighting with you. And anybody who knows me, who confides in me, and, and they know I'm like I take on your situation, and we fight in that situation now. You see what I'm saying? Because I want to make sure that nobody ends up where I'm at. I want to make sure that 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 one you don't end up here, and two, if you do, you gotta keep fighting. I know when we when we as depressed people uh, uh, we get in that mode, and we don't want nobody to tell us to keep pushing because we feel like we can't. But you have to. You have to keep pushing. We so hard on ourselves for every single thing. And again, that goes back to not being able to express our emotions as kids. So we tell ourselves, don't cry. We tell ourselves now, don't cry, suck it up. Be better. Don't do that. When we really need to be expressing our emotion, we really need to be letting that go. For me, and I'm again, not a doctor, everybody knows that. For me, depression is nothing but all of that emotion, all of those thoughts that should have been released over the years of your life that are just stuck inside of you because everybody told you to shut up. Everybody told you everybody got problems. Like, it's and it, it's people in Africa that don't eat. It's people here. And I get that. I understand that. I It's, it's very difficult because everybody does go through problems. But without no help, nobody's going to get through. I don't know where we're like. I haven't seen in my lifetime where there was genuine people just helping and helping and helping just to bring people up, bring people up. I've never seen it. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying it, it doesn't happen enough because everything seems that it's a financial thing. Right. And. We're so hard on ourselves in a sense of if we can't donate money, then we feel like we're useless. If we're sad, we tell our dog, oh, don't be sad. If we had a bad day, ah, oh, suck it up. And is it, we got to be able to help ourselves to help others. We got to stop being hard on ourselves because the harder we are on ourselves and, and we don't realize this. I had this. I had this epiphany with dealing with my son, Keanu. Keanu was ADHD. I didn't know it at the time, right? He would just do things over and over, just just compulsive. And, you know, he would cuss and he would break things and he just, his anger. And I would get so mad, right? I would get so mad. Like, bro, what is your problem? And I would yell and I would pop him and we would like... Like, we will go at it. We will go at it, right? But then I noticed, for me, I was being so hard on him because I didn't understand. But I didn't understand because I'm so hard on myself. And I don't act like that. And I always base, oh, when we was little, Grandma would not let us do that. Poppy would not let us do that. Uncle Ronnie would not, like, I based it on that because... 
I didn't behave that way. But I also wasn't ADHD. So I started studying what it was. I started uh, like really looking into what ADHD was. I started really talking to people like, hey, like, like, what do I do? You know, um, one of my friends, uh, Priscilla, she's like, she, she gave me some pointers of what to do. I started doing it. It started, you know, kind of calming him down a little bit more. And it was because like our his and our relationship is better now because I stopped being so hard on myself so I could stop being so hard on him. Now he's he's a wild boy and he still has his moments to where he's extremely compulsive and stuff like that, but now I can see it. Like I like it's really it's really weird and parents who 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 have kids with ADD or ADHD you can see when it's, you can see when what I call cycling, right? And like I see it in his face, <laughs> I see it, and I'm like, "Hey, breathe." Like you're you're about to wild out. Just just chill. And so sometimes me catching him right in the moment and making eye contact with him and making him have to focus on me sometimes it work and sometimes. You gotta see what happens later, because he be he, he be gone. But I've learned how not to be so hard on him. But I had to learn how not to be hard on myself. So I encourage you guys, stop being so hard on yourself. You're human. Mistakes are inevitable, and we gotta realize that. We gotta realize, like, I always say, there is no, there is no perfection without pain. There's no correction without mistake. Like, it is what it is. We, I know we all hold ourselves to a high standard. I know we all want to be who we say we are. I know we all want to just be, you know, the apple of somebody's eye. But sometimes, no. No. Don't work like that. Don't work like that. You gotta. You have to teach yourself. A lot of us are adults. We, we're, we're, past the, we're past the stage of being parented right so now we have to look for the the help ourselves uh, i always trip out when 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 i see people or hear people say oh well um i was raised that way i was raised that way that was one of my difficulties uh of of my marriage prior to divorce was her and i was raised two different ways right and you could you could tell once we moved out of her parents' house and moved on our own, you could tell, you could tell the difference, right? And for me, I'm very, I'm very, very independent, very independent. Like I could cook, I could clean, I could do hair, cut hair. So like I always say that like, and not on no, I'm the best at all of those things, but I can survive. Like my kids, more than survive. You see what I'm saying? Because I stopped being hard on myself. I started understanding that, okay, cool, there's change that is necessary. I started realizing that we have to we have to put the change in effect. We have to learn. We have to be free in our expressions. We have to be all these things so that we can help these younger people. 
right? We got to start learning how to be examples to them and stop telling them they don't matter. Stop telling them, you know, we got to allow them to be kids. I would have loved to to not have to watch my back from shooting. And this is the thing. There wasn't even shooting at me. I'm saying, like, that's just where, where we lived. It was just like, you really just had to learn how to watch your back. You had to know what streets to go down, what streets not to go down, what color to wear, what color not to wear. Like, you had to know, you know, who you being friends with, if that could affect, you know, if you walk away from them and then now somebody think you, you with that or with this or something like that. It's just so much stuff that we had to do. And we just never got to get free from that. And now a lot of us are in therapy. A lot of us have kids. Some of us aren't going like some of them are. Some people are are not as aware of what I'm aware of because I like I shut everything down. Last time I got my heart broke, like I shut everything down. And I'm just that type of person. Like, you know, I'm a cry. Oh, I love you. I miss you. Blah, blah, blah. Shut it down. But see, for me, in order for me to reboot, I have to work on everything. You see what I'm saying? I have to, it's not just, oh, that relationship failed. You have to work on, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a parenting thing. It's a friendship thing. It's a me thing. It's a work, like it's a, it's a complete reset of everything. And in doing that, I just became aware of a lot of stuff. And so for me, my goal is to make sure that my kids know that they can express themselves um, so that I can teach them how to do it correctly. You see what I'm saying? Like, tantrums like I don't do tantrums right even when they were babies I don't do tantrums because if you can throw a tantrum that mean even if you're not talking this is how I think it is what it is this is how I work with my kids or worked with my kids when I said it's gonna work with nobody else's or, or younger people when you are lashing out that means you are smart enough for some level of communication so for me, when my kids threw tantrums, I let them fall. All right, boom, you're going to rock your whole shit. But you're not going to do that again. You're going to now, whenever you get emotional, whenever you get angry, now you're going to be able to, to point at what's making you angry. You're going to be able to have a seat. You're going to be able to, to walk away. But you're not going to... Uh, what is it flail your arms and and jump up and down and and fall you got to learn even you know as they grow and my kids start talking back it's like hey i'll let you know you are free to say what you want to say but the moment you challenge me as a man and you raising your voice and you walking up on me on stuff like that i'm gonna beat the bricks off of you period but go ahead. Like, say what you have to say. Stay in your personal space. I'm going to stay in my personal space. Don't yell at me. Don't cuss at me. Cool. When me and them get into it, I don't go. I Like, peace. I love you, my guy. But all right, go. Because just like, just like I'm mad, they mad. Like, it's one of those things that I had to, to just stop doing. Because I, I remember when we was younger, it was always... Stop crying before I give you something to cry about when you're getting a whooping. Excuse me? Like, <laughs> this hurt. What you talking about? Like, you've, you've given me plenty to cry about. So for me, I just choose not to be so hard on them. I'm very strict 
I am very uh, uh, much of order, but I'm not hard on them because I need them to be able. I need them to be able to be who they are. Early on, I went super hard on them. Like when I say super hard, I went super hard on them. But it was one of those things that you just repeat in the cycle, fam. You're not even attempting to learn who, what type of parents you want to be. You are solely parenting these kids how you were parented and you hated that. So why are you repeating it? And so I changed. But in order to do that, I had to stop being hard on myself. So in turn, I can learn how to help them process through everything. It's like, like my brother tell me, what's your end goal, right? What's your end goal? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? And I'll tell them, all right, this is what, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so attach every step to that end goal. Say it again. Attach, figure out what your end goal is, and then every step of your prep, your preparation, attach your, attach that to your end goal. So whatever you are doing, make sure it's conducive to what you what what the end goal is. Whatever the end product that you're trying to create, whatever the 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 end goal of your relationship of your parenting, attach your preparation to that end goal and by the time you get there that thing is going to be right and tight it's very important and I'm like when he said that what is your end goal I started thinking about so much stuff about how I wanted my relationship to be how I wanted you know the parent that I wanted to be, the poet that I wanted to be, the entrepreneur that I wanted to be. So I started making these small changes to it, it, attaching them to my end goal. You see what I'm saying? It's so it's so gratifying having somebody that I could call and just shoot shit with, and then they give me a gem like that. Attach all of your preparation. Attach attach that to your end goal. So every step you attach that. Does that that's that first step right there? Is that something that's gonna help the end goal? All right, no. All right, that's the wrong step then. And because I'm a person of order, it just hit me so hard. So I ask y'all, what's your end goal? What's your end goal? What's your friendships? What's your relationships? What's your parenting? What you what you being a a, a sibling? What you being a child? You know, um, like what is your end goal? Once you figure out that end goal, every step of your preparation attach that. Quit being so hard on yourself. Just quit being so hard on yourself. Accept things that you can't change and continue to work on the things that you can. Attach everything to your end goal. It's gonna be alright and it's gonna make sense in the end. Remember, it's complex. Have to go hard on him. He needs to know life ain't no crystal stairs, just distant glares from places he is able to reach. He needs to be able to see through connivers, needs to know how to protect himself at all times. So I have to go hard on him.
Because at one point in time, he will be in my shoes just as I have taken the place of my mom's and he has me. As we speak, I am weak as wet paper towels with more strength than Hercules. So I have to go hard on him. Even now, with him only being one years old and barely learning to walk and speak, I am teaching him morals in two languages, logic slash street. No elbows on the table where you eat. Don't do business where you sleep. Be polite to both mom and me. Respect is earned. Never show defeat. So I to go hard on him because deep down I am ready to throw towels in because my heart cannot take this pain that is being inflicted on him these needles piercing his flesh the med slowing his motions my baby has taken more tests than the law allows screaming aloud because his answers are not scribed with the number two pencil but with his blood like some sacred being so for the sake of being I have to go hard on him because he needs strength and guidance a pilot a friend a father to look him in the face and let him know that it's okay to shed tears. It's fine to admit hurt, but at one point you have to stand up and clear your face. You have to move on. You have to let it go because I can't. So I have to go hard on him and make him understand how to overcome a struggle, how to get through pain and breathe, how to fight with words first, meaning smarts, no vulgarities, earn life, don't accept charity, confuse, find your own clarity, make sense of you before you become a simple statistic. So I have to go hard on him. One day he will cry while watching his son sleep and feel what I feel as I cried while watching my son sleep. One day he will want to quit. He will feel like there is too much pressure placed on him. And one day he will look at his reflection and get the answer to his question. So this is why Pop was always hard on me. So I have to go hard on him. Love him like the emotion and action of honest love. Question his smarts, not to embarrass him, but to make him smarter. Admit to him when I am wrong so he will know even the strongest man has faults. Hug him when he is hurt to let him know life is more than happy. Happiness. Let him know that no matter what, before anything, he is a man first. So I have to go hard on him. Regardless of what the doc says about his physical form, no matter what his lab results read, because to me, this argwash about his health is rubbish. Because I have faith in the most high of all beings. He is as normal as the sun and the moon. These tests prove nothing. These meds change nothing. This hurt is an obstacle. His tears are heartfelt. All cry creates a love song. Even though I never dropped my egg, my son still has happy feet and I am fine with it. So I have to go hard on him. So when he turns four or five and his chest begins to compress and it becomes hard for him to breathe, he doesn't cry for me. He goes and gets his albuterol, puts it in his breathing machine, put his mask on and relax. So I have to go hard on him so that when he turns five or six and he is playing at school or eat something new and he notices that his arms and legs have broken to hives, he doesn't panic. He goes into his cubby, gets his notebook next to Adley's right. I'm allergic to the grass right next to the jungle gym however the grass on the football field doesn't make me itchy i am also allergic to those fruit thingies we had in the cafeteria today that i can't pronounce so i'll just call them fruit thingies and still does not cry for me instead he grabs his cortisone cream and covers his arms and legs with the whole tube because even though i go hard on him i do expect him to be a kid and i have to go hard on him because at one point sooner than i know his words will tell me he doesn't need me to do what i used to and soon after his heart will believe 
David, then his actions will soon follow. So I have to go hard on him because I need him to be right in his actions, to be able to back up what he says, like following a statement with a cross my heart, hope to die is the most highest level of honesty an eight year old can provide. So make sure he is telling the truth. So I have to go hard on him because one day he will be asked to do something he is against and he would then remember that if I have to wake up and come and get his narrow behind from the jailhouse, I will literally go hard on him. So I have to go hard on him because one day he will be faced with the art of love and he will need answers in wooing. And since I am not a wooer, I guess I need to have one on hand for when those questions occur. So I have to go hard on him because one day he will be someone's father. And he will be afraid that he can't do it. And one day he will become nervous because he is someone's husband and he has never loved so gingerly and he would do whatever it took for his family. And one day he will be sitting at his desk explaining to his son why he has to go hard on him. So I have to go hard on him because I love him more than I have loved before. More than the color green, more than potatoes, than cartoons, than the Cosby show, more than Thundercats, Silverhawk, and He-Man. I love him more than the Peanuts gang, more than my Adidas, more than Lauryn Hill back in the 90s. But most of all, I love him more than these words that I speak from my heart. So I have to go hard on him because if I don't, he'll never know how much I truly love him.